Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today's big idea is how to start your own networking group when traditional groups aren't providing you with enough value. My guest is Michael Gordon. Michael is the CEO of Elevator, an exclusive networking group that focuses on the creation of value for its members. According to Michael, Elevator is the only networking group in the world that offers a money-back guarantee. We discuss topics including the four types of traditional networking groups and their potential shortcomings, how to start your own networking group, how to pick the right structure and discussion topics for your networking events, the four characteristics that your potential members need to have, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Michael. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you making the time. Thanks, Mark. Happy to be here. And I love that's conversations we had about networking groups and peer groups a little bit too. But people need to do this. And I'd love to talk about it, dig into your experience a little bit more, starting with because language can get muddled. A peer group versus a networking group. What is the core difference between the two? If people are saying, well, I could join either one, which one should I be looking at? Well, depending on what what someone's looking for, the way I've always thought about it is a peer group is a place where you are with people that you would view as your peer, whether it's CEO or CFO or something like that. And you come together to talk about the things that are on your mind, challenges, opportunities, problems, ideas, good or bad, with someone that has a shared perspective on similar topics and can give you feedback that's different than your employees or your significant other mm-hmm. or your trusted advisors, right? So you're getting, you're sort of getting best practices, a trusted board of advisors, if you will. Networking groups, I've always viewed generally in the development of new business, new referrals. How do I increase my connectivity for opportunities that are going to lead to new business? So I network with people and I network with people that sometimes I view as prospective clients, but more often I'm networking with people that can help me get access to the people I want to be my clients. So real difference. And I'd love to focus on how can people build their own networking group now that we've differentiated that from building their own peer group. And I know some people, they go to the chamber events and all the traditional ones, they just walk away. You're smiling, and I am too. They just walk away going, uh-uh. you know what? Screw it. I'm going to start my own. But so many of them, they start them, they get some traction, they fizzle out and die relatively quickly. Why is that? So I'll, I'll give you first my perspective on networking for new business um, and and the struggles that I think are inherently riddled within your options. So to me, there are really four options for networking for new business. One is you have networking groups, chambers of commerce, BNI, and all sorts that are like that. And by the way, I'm not disparaging them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just sort of pointing out what I have experienced to be flaws that they may have. Um, So first you have those networking groups like the chamber and BNI. You also have things like peer groups. Um, An example of that would be Vistage or the Alternative Board or LX Council. These are all peer group concepts. You have your social, charitable, philanthropic organizations, the board, 
of mm -hmm. a hospital or a country club, which is more social. And then lastly, you've got your trade associations. What I view to be the flaw within each one of those is networking groups are generally filled with the wrong people. They might be really good people, but they're the wrong people. How wrong so? meaning, well, they're not really the decision maker or they're not dealing with the right types of end users that you would be connected to should you invest all the time it takes to build a trusting relationship with someone you meet at one of those organizations. There just isn't a lot of alignment between the worlds that you're living in and the world that the people you're meeting at those groups are living in. So the wrong people. And again, that's not bad people. It's just wrong. Mm -hmm. In peer groups, it's the wrong topic. As I described just a minute ago, if I'm the owner of a business and I'm talking about HR issues or raising capital or dealing with debt or marketing or payroll, and I'm doing that with my peers, that's why I'm there to deal with these issues. Some people will join those to network with the other members of their group, but it's the wrong topic. They're talking about the wrong stuff. In the social, charitable, philanthropic world, it's the wrong mission. I've been fortunate enough to sit on the board of a couple of different nonprofits, and I didn't do it to network with the other board members, which some people do. I did it because I cared about the mission. So wrong topic or sorry, wrong mission. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, trade associations. A lot of people belong to and go to events that their trade association puts on, but they're generally filled with all your competitors. Yes. So it's either, <laughs> right? It's either wrong people, wrong topic, wrong mission, or full of your competitors. Those are the flaws. And I'm not suggesting you don't participate in those because there are lots of valuable um, uses for those organizations. But when we're talking about strictly business development as a result of my networking activity, just being aware of how they might be flawed will allow you to view it through a different lens. So, if you agree that those are challenges that exist within mm -hmm. those four options, if you're anything like me, you got to the point where you're like, well, all right, what do I do? That's when people decide that they're going to start their own networking group. The challenges with that are threefold, I believe. One, it's incredibly time consuming to be the administrator of your own <laughs> networking group. Yes. Right. You have to, you have to wrangle everybody together, make sure the schedules are all aligned and that everybody's coming and that people are going to show up. Okay. Once you've done all that, what happens next is I think they're choosing the wrong people to be a part of their group. Why? They're choosing people that they know and that they're comfortable with. And that are in business and they think, well, Mark, you're in a business. Let's get together for breakfast every month. We'll network with each other. And as a result, we'll be able to refer each other stuff. Same kind of issue that I mentioned a minute ago with the chambers and BNIs. They might be really good people, but they're not the right people. They're inviting their friends to network with and doing it in a more structured way. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is it's going to take you six months to a year to finally come to come to grips with 
I really like Mark, great guy, but he doesn't know anybody I need to know. Mm, been there. Painful. Mm-hmm. And, then fi- and then finally, let's say you do decide it's worth the investment of my time to be the organizer. Mm-hmm. And I have found a bunch of people that I do think are aligned with me in the markets that we serve. The third reason they usually flame out is what do we talk about? We're going to get together every month, but other than how was the weekend, what are you doing for the holidays? What are we talking about so that it doesn't get stale or devolve into just a social hour? So how do we keep it relevant? So how do you pick the topics? You have to be open and upfront with everyone in the group about why you're there, what you want to accomplish, set goals. And goals can be things like the number of connections we want to make for each other over a certain period of time, discuss ground rules, like how we're going to make an introduction. And an example would be, I would never introduce someone to someone else without first getting permission from both parties to make that introduction and giving the person I'm asking for permission of complete ability, guilt-free to say no thank you, and they don't owe me an explanation. That's the double opt-in. I love it. Absolutely. And what I find is that when people feel comfortable to say um, no thank you, and not worry about me trying to then convince them to take the introduction, uh, the value of my credibility in our relationship goes through the roof. But other other things as it relates to creating the, the content for what are we going to talk about, mm-hmm. we're going to learn about what each other does, why we're different, who we serve, what types of introductions do we look for. We're going to talk about case studies or examples of how we've served our clients. We're going to talk about problems we were unable to solve ourselves and how we referred that to other people that we know that were problem solvers. There uh, are opportunities to socialize with one another and bring guests that are important to us that we want to introduce to our network as well. So back to the original issue which was all right i'm going to start my i'm going to start my own group mm-hmm. where do i even begin yep and to me that really comes down to a handful of characteristics that i think are really important for uh the members of a group to possess if i were to to start my own group and if you're okay i'll share those with you now yeah okay that would so be Um, the things that I would look for if I were creating my own networking group are the following one, whomever, uh, is being invited, I would want them to be committed. And what that means to me is that if they say they're going to be there, they show up. I think you and I may have both experienced times where we have this group and every, every morning of our meeting, Bob Smith says, Hey, Michael, sorry, not going to make it again. Something came up at work Mm. or the night before you get the text. Hey guys, Hey gals, really sorry. Not going to make it again. 
got called into this something or other. Committed to me means they will protect the time that we plan to spend together. And it doesn't mean people won't miss, but it means they'll protect it to the best of their ability. Being committed is important. The consistency is, is important. Oh my God, yeah. Another characteristic is, do they know, do they have relationships with the right people outside of our group? If I sell payroll services, I'm generally dealing with someone in HR or potentially in accounting or even the CFO. The people that I need to reach have those titles. The people I'm networking with should also be selling to people with those titles. They need to have relationships with the same types of end users that I'm trying to get to. Nice. That makes sense. Another example, uh, another characteristic, sorry. Are they relationship-driven people or are they transaction-driven mm. And I'm not saying one is good and one is bad, but relationship-driven people, in my experience, will forego a deal. They'll forego a commission if it means jeopardizing the trust and relationship that we've built as, as referral partners. So look for people who are really relationship driven because that's a long-term approach to mm -hmm. developing new business, not a short-term transaction. Understanding, next characteristic, understanding if the person you're inviting is a giver or a connector. One of them isn't better than another, but, but understanding the difference to me has always been real important and I'll define it. Yeah, you're going to have to because I've, I have not heard that before. I thought you were going to say a giver and a taker. No, a giver and a connector. So a giver, <laughs> a giver is someone who identifies someone that I need to know on their own and makes that connection for me. It just, they see it. The, the, the dots are connected in their own head. I didn't have to do a thing. And I'll get an email that says, hey, Michael. I really would like you to meet my friend, Mark. I spoke with him. I got his permission. He was very interested in meeting you. Take it from here. A connector never sees those two dots, doesn't think of it on their own. It's just not in their DNA to recognize it. But if I asked them for help with an introduction to someone that I know they know, they will break their back to help me with that introduction. That is an awesome differentiator. Once I, once I learned or once I experienced truly the difference between the two, it allowed me to, to adjust my behavior as it relates to building relationships for new business. Because everyone I knew that was a connector they would do anything for me to help me, but I knew that if I sat there waiting for them to do it on their own, it would never happen. But all, all I have to do is tell them what I need from them and they will do whatever they could to help me. All right, yes. so next, next characteristic is, have we helped each other at some point in the past? Or is this a totally new person 
that I've never shared referrals with before. And the reason that's something to identify is if you've never exchanged introductions or connections for one another before, I use that as an opportunity to set the tone. And I want to go first. I want to do whatever I can to establish some credit with this new person in my networking life so that I can tip the scale ultimately in my favor. I believe it's human nature, right or wrong, that people, when helped, uh, start to think, well, wow, Mark did that for me. I'd really mm -hmm. love to, I'd really love to help him back in its most simple form. So yeah. what I try and do is help first. I try and set the tone and be the giver in any group that I've ever been a part of, because I want people thinking of me as, wow, Michael just helped me and I didn't have to ask. I'd really like to pay him back. And not that we're keeping score because, because mm -hmm. keeping score doesn't work. Um, it's done from a real place of generosity and kindness and just people being good, kind, giving human beings. So identifying whether or not you've helped them before, they've helped you or not, and mm -hmm. then using that as an opportunity to set the tone going forward. Well, and then last, I'm sorry. Oh, the no, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't. No, the last one is um, how trustworthy are they in your experience? Because I do think it's possible for people to possess all of those other characteristics and not necessarily be fully aware of their trustworthiness, right? So that's a more of a character than a competency mm -hmm. issue. Um, so to me, all of those things combined, it's about quality of the individuals you're spending time with not the quantity. I'd rather have five people and build a group of five people that possess all of these characteristics meeting regularly than knowing uh, surface-wise 20 people. So were you, I love what, were it. You gonna, what were you going to ask me before? Sorry. Oh no! With with all the characteristics, everything we spoke about. Okay, now I know what I'm looking for. If if they're that what they're looking for, if they're listening, and I, I I think at least this is a big question because I've faced it a few times in the past. Charging. How do you know? I mean, you're on the high end of this. Everywhere in between. The, how do you know when free or should you never do free or a per event or ten thousand a year? I mean, the groups out there are such a wide range. How does someone? Say I'm starting this group, and here's here because they're gonna. The, one of the first things people are gonna think is, okay, how much is it? It's just gonna yeah. be rightfully so human nature. How do you know what the price point is for the group? If if your approach is, I want to increase the return on my investment of networking time, and the other opportunities afforded to me that I laid out before those four options if they're not really delivering for me and I'm just wasting a lot of time and collecting business cards and chasing you know, uh, one-way deals, nothing's gonna come from them. And I've decided it's time to start my own, there is no fee. The, the fee is going to be the time that the members invest in spending together. 
right? If, if you're going to build a group, and I think somewhere in the six to eight total participants is the right number, if every one of the six to eight members possesses all of those characteristics, you, I would argue, you can get more value from those six to eight people than you would out of belonging to five chambers or a BNI group or any of the others. Just not that they won't create value, they will. But I think your efficiency and um, and end results will be greater. That, and 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 there's no fee. You're it's just your time. I did not expect that answer. I like it. Thanks. And I, you know, I just again, I to me, Mark, it is quality over quantity all day, every day. I've been very blessed to be in a position that's afforded me the opportunity to build incredibly deep personal connections with clients and centers of influence and, and others that are relationships based on the mutual creation of value and not on the next deal I needed to close. And as a result, uh, this might sound a little, a little campy, but the universe has rewarded me because it's always been about helping and connecting, but in a credible, meaningful way, not just to check a box to say that I've, I've connected, but knowing that I'm actually creating an opportunity for two people that I care about to build value somewhere for them both. And that's how I, that's how I view networking. I'm going to be sure. I think I know the answer to the question. And it might be what you just said. I always have to ask this at the end though. Someone's listening like, okay, I want to get started. If, if you were to tell them, okay, if you're going to, if nothing else, do this one thing when you're getting started, what would you tell them? Find one person that meets, meets all of the criteria that I laid out and start with them. They will help you find the next one person that possesses all of the characteristics and don't, don't waver. Don't let someone in who doesn't check every box, because if you, um, if you do, you'll find it will slowly start to erode the shared mission and value of the time invested. And then at some point, people will stop showing up. And then at some point, it will erode. You don't have to do it immediately. You can start one person at a time. Um, that would be my advice. That doesn't sound scary at all. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it, Michael. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if people want to find you online, where's the best place to go? It's elevair.com and that's E-L-A-V-A-I-R-E, elevair.com. Thank you. I appreciate this. This has been awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for tuning into the Idea Climbing Podcast. If you'd like to hear from a lot more experts, the Idea Climbing book is now available at ideaclimbingbook.com. You can also hear more podcasts at ideaclimbing.com. Hope to see you in one of those two venues. Have a great one.